Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. All right, sound check. Did you know the human anus can stretch up to eight inches wide? (laughs) I'm fucking done. Dogs be geeks. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry about the people I hang out with. I got Amanda today, and she's giving this bullshit right at the beginning. If you've made it past that and you went through the intro, thank you for sticking with us. Amanda, how the hell are you? I'm good. That was a good laugh. I, I knew you'd like that one. No, I didn't like that one. <laughs> I I did not like that one. Assholes. This, this is what I hang out with, y'all. All right, I need new friends. So if anybody out there wants to be my friend, <laughs> holla, and let's not talk about butts or testicles. <laughs> Jesus. As y'all can tell today, I have a, a little bit of some throat issues, so I apologize for sounding so rough, uh, but I got Amanda to help me out today. It is Halloween. It is my holiday. I can't believe I'm actually recording a podcast today because this is my holiday, <clears throat> but it's only because Clark had to go get groomed. And uh, Amanda had nothing to do, so yeah. we're going to do a podcast. I don't, I'm not even sure what we're doing it on, so oh, so tell me what we're doing it on. Well, I tried to find something interesting about Halloween to talk about, but I, I couldn't. So um, <clears throat> I came up with that fun fact instead and just moved on. Yeah, so. <laughs> appreciate that. That was great shit right there. But no pun intended. We, we did watch the University of Michigan-Michigan State game. Yes. Um, which, go blue. And uh, but green, you know, uh, Michigan State University had an interesting study a few years back. It talks about dogs and their personalities, and it talked about basically nature versus nurture. And I know you talk a lot about, especially with Myers, the fact that he has a lot of terrier in. Oh him, yeah, which is why he was loud. And this was originally going to be my fun fact, um, because it actually the conclusion. We'll fast forward, and then we'll go back, but the conclusion was that uh, nurture has more of an effect on dogs' personalities than nature. So I was going to say, well, you're loud, so he's loud. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Man, both. We got you know, some- it, is, it is both, but... Um, I, I, I think it's one thing I think we'd have to look at, and I'm curious to see... Um, if you if you read into detail in that, of what are they, ex- how are they explaining personality? Like what are they putting separate different traits in with personality? Or are they saying that these are some of the drives you might have and that's what they're looking at? Because to me, I'm looking at like the drive of a dog and a personality to me, it seems a little two different things. When I look at personality, I always look at it as confidence level, problem-solving skills, play style, play preference, uh, social skills. That's what I look at. So mm-hmm. what what are they looking at 
when they say personality. Because, I mean, if I look at Meyer's personality, he is loving. He's fairly confident. He's outgoing. He loves other dogs and people. Uh, but I don't know if I'd put in his barking as part of his personality. To me, that's more just a genetic trait. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, yes, I am loud. <laughs> and that is my personality, no <laughs> doubt. Um, I don't think he's loud because of me, because my Rottweilers were not loud. That's fair. Right? So, ha. Huh. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, it looked at um, three different areas, and they found – well, they found correlations in three main areas, age and personality, um, human to dog personality, and the influence of a dog's personality on the quality of its relationship with its owner, which you talked a little bit about in the counseling yes. stuff, the last two podcasts. Um, and then I found it interesting that the study also, since they looked over a range of ages, they found in this cohort of dogs that older dogs are much harder to train. Uh, and they found the sweet spot for teaching dogs obedience around the age of six, which I was just re-listening to the Kathy Murphy one. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think they're talking about dogs that have never been trained. And then around age six, they start training. Right. But I think they're talking about the dog's ability to learn, grow, and train after that adolescence, that's like the sweet spot to really six. Though I mean, that's a. I think that's a little hard to put that number on it because if you look at six in a Great Dane, yeah, that's senior, <laughs> right? Six in a Cavalier, yeah. All right, oh, that's interesting. But it didn't talk about the size of the dogs at all, so that's where I'm like, again, where does the number six come from? Were they looking at all small dogs or? Were they looking at large, a mix of dogs? I don't know. But they were saying how dogs resemble their owners. And um, so one trait. These were badasses. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, one trait that rarely changes in age with dogs was fear and anxiety. That was pretty steady state. And also that it wasn't, you can play off their, they can play off their owners. So if their owner goes through an anxious phase, like the dog can see that and can be a little more on edge. But as far as fear and anxiety, they're not going to just all of a sudden develop fear and anxiety because their owner has that. Like that's not a personality trait. That's more of a behavior is what they're saying. Okay. So so back in the day, maybe 10, 15 years ago, when I was putting together my daycare training program, um, I was trying to find a way to evaluate dogs. And one of the things that we looked at was that personality of those different traits of looking at like confidence level. But in my mind, I looked at personality as these traits are seeds. And through nurture, you can either grow the seed mm-hmm. or smother the seed. Now, looking back, I'm like, well, do we want to smother seeds necessarily uh, if it's part of their genetics? And then what, where are we when we do that? Like, for me, my brain's going all over the place right this second. Um, (laughs) Because, like, I've seen puppies that kind of born with a seed of anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
for me in that moment, I, I think, okay, we may never, this dog may never be the most confident dog and become a working dog, but can we smother the seed enough and replace enough other, you know, pretty flowers to help this dog live a normal life through that anxiety? Uh-huh. Whereas when I see them as older and I would see anxiety, typically I knew it was more than likely from some specific issue that's happened. Lack of confidence, whether that's lack of socialization, lack lack of exposure, those type things. So I'm just, I think that the way I've always used personality and personality traits is not the same as what, you know, the science is, the science is using and, and the uh, scientist I'm not a scientist. I'm not, I'm not very scientific. And as far as like my study is, and what I mean by that is I don't, I'm not out there running a scientific experiment. I do want to learn. And I am, that's why I'm such a nerd and, and listen to Kathy Murphy because it is the nerdy side of things. And so I think it's really opening my brain up to now seeing a little bit more to go, what can, and maybe it's not, maybe the question isn't, what can we change of their personality? Maybe the question should be, should we be changing that part of the personality? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it gets into like Kim Brophy and legs and talking genetics. Mm-hmm. But when you look at things like fears and phobias, anxiety, yeah, is that something that they're born with? And I do think, <clears throat> I think it can happen. I think that a lot of the studies are coming out that with, with dogs in, in utero can experience trauma if the mom experiences trauma. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it's it's really it can be very fascinating. I do want to say, though, that I don't think Myers is loud because of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a little bit. No, uh-uh. <laughs> no, I don't, even think it's, I don't even think it's a little bit. No, but I do think, I mean, we've both seen it with clients. It's like, you have to look at like they're they have a complaint about their dog being super hyper aroused in public or something and then you go out and you evaluate them and you realize their owner is like batshit crazy in public like they are heightened anxiety they are nervous they are like this next level of not calm like the opposite of calm yes and so the dog almost mirrors their yes. behavior and i think that might be more what this study is talking about is those types of personality traits, like if you were to put that dog with, like if you put that dog with your eye and we're walking, we're like, this is a you problem, not the dog right. problem. Right. Um, I think that's kind of more the personality traits specifically. So one of the things I learned the other day with Kathy Murphy, because I'm learning everything from Kathy Murphy, um, and behavior vets, behavior vets, that's just behavior vets are, it's just amazing. If you want to educate yourself and your trainer, behavior consultant, you need to go to behavior bits. But the entrainment, which is um, where when a, when two brains are that close together, they try to link up to save energy. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a scientific um, study that's been done. So I'm thinking, what if it's not a personality trait? It's entrainment that the dog is feeding off of them because it's saving energy for the dog instead of the or maybe the owner is tapping into the dog and it's both. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It is true that we'll see dogs that do so much better with us, but also we don't have the reinforcement history um, of maybe um, reinforcing of the fear. Uh, we don't um, We don't have a lot of history to undo when we're working with the dogs. 
And we do have a high rate of reinforcement of positive associations. So I think that's what helps us get a little bit better. But does that really show that the dog has a different personality versus just feeding off of the greater species on the other end of the leash? <laughs> We're supposed to be the greater species on the other end of the leash. I don't know. I tell you, this, this would definitely be a... It's, it's really interesting. When mm-hmm. did that study come out? 2019. 2019. I would, I, maybe they'll do another one, but yeah, I'd like to, I would really like to know all the, the more details of seeing of, of what they, who they looked at, who, what was the control group? What was the testing group? What was all that? That'd be interesting though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody got any ideas about that? Yeah. I've got any nerdy scientists out there that are working with dogs. If you have anything for that, Hey, throw us, throw us a bone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think Clark feeds off of you? But Clark's a little different because Clark's your service dog, so he he needs to be in tune with you. Yeah. I'd say it's a little bit of give and take. Like, he has the ability to dissociate, I guess is the word, from me. But at the same time, he's he we very much are the same person. Like, I don't need him touching me all the time, but I'm also not a personal, like, a physical touch person. So that... I do see those types of traits in him, like that we mirror each other. Yeah, because I wonder if he, if he, if he had a different owner, mm-hmm. if he would be more willing to ask for love and attention. Well, I look at like even Ella and George, more so Ella because Ella's his bloodline, mm-hmm. and she loves to snuggle. She wants to be right next to you. She's at your feet, whereas he's more like. I'm going to be over here, but in your sight. Right. But I'm here if you need me. Yeah. And so it's in, and Ella was raised by an inmate in the prison. So, mm-hmm. and those inmates love those dogs. And so it was a different type of raising. And yeah. Because, stuff, you know, so. they want to cuddle yeah. and have that closeness and that feeling of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. So that's what the dogs are going to be more tuned to. But you know what? So with Myers and Isabella actually was kind of the same way. Myers has not ever really been snuggly and cuddly. Mm -hmm. And lately, I'd say in the last few weeks, he's starting to kind of come and like curl up against me Mm -hmm. and at night and lay up against me and lay like, you know, behind my legs. And that's something he's not done before. And so I'm not sure if it's something that, and because I am touch is my love (laughs) language. Like a stranger could be petting on me and I'm going to follow them home. <laughs> I mean, I, I would be the easiest person to abduct, right? Just yep. start petting me and I'm <laughs> I'm going to follow. It's ridiculous. I know. Um, I was probably a golden retriever in my former life. I don't know. But it, I had to be respectful of him when he was younger because I wanted to cuddle and hold and spoon and all my what my Roddy's did. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't having it. And even now, it's like when he wants to come back in the bedroom to see me in the morning so I can hear him whining, I'll open the door and he'll run in, he'll jump up and he'll give me kisses. And he's so excited for like a minute. And then he jumps off, finds a toy, and then just sits on the floor and squeaks a toy <laughs> for like five minutes. So I'm like, I don't, I, I, I don't know if you're, I don't think it was a toy that was in here and you want to actually come in and see me. I think there's, I can tell he loves me. Mm-hmm. 
It's not exactly what I'm going for just yet. I would like to have him come up and want to cuddle. But like this morning, early this morning, because the dude doesn't know what sleep in means. <laughs> he did kind of cuddle just a little bit, almost in a spoon fashion. And it lasted, you know, I held my breath. Um, and it lasted for a minute. <laughs> and it was cute. And then he moved. And I was like, okay. And so I'm starting to see maybe a little bit, but I'm wondering, is that his... Is that kind of part of his genetics and, and his innate personality, or is it that he's learning that that we have to find a way to be together, mm-hmm. and that he's learning me like I'm learning him? And how, will he take cues from me with that? I don't know. I, Isabella was never cuddly and lovey, but now she's a lot more cuddly. Like you've mm-hmm. been here, she sat on you for what thirty minutes straight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now she's like coming up and asking for attention. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen the first couple of years. So I also wonder if Myers is learning it because you started out with him sleeping in the crate. Like he never knew that when it's bedtime or getting up in the morning that it's snuggle time. So it could be this newfound territory for him of, is this okay? Like, am I supposed to be here? It could be. And then that, it might get more snuggly as time goes on and he realizes that's his new place or a new safe space. Maybe. I mean, he definitely, he, he starts out at night now under the covers at the bottom of the bed on the other side. So he's not touching me. Mm-hmm. When I ask him to come up, he just looks at me like, no. I'm like, okay, I'll just sit here and cry. <laughs> um, and then it's usually... Throughout the night, I'll start feeling him in different places. But I don't know if he's actually moving and doing that to be close to me, or is it if he gets cold and he comes over to the heated blanket. Mm. So I'm thinking it's not me at all. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's not me at all. Well, this is this has turned real shitty. This is why, you know what? This is why my cats, I can count on my cats to cuddle with me. Yeah, they do. I can count on Gemma. Steve likes to cuddle in the mornings. So he'll come up and he'll spoon in the mornings. He's really cute in the mornings. But then I can't move because I don't want to disturb him. And he has the best purr in the world. Um, Gemma is probably my biggest snuggler. Really? Yeah, Gemma is my biggest snuggler by far. You can have her snuggling any time of the day, um, typically. I mean, there are, she has her moments in the mornings that she likes to, to be alone. But, but yeah, I'd say out of the whole household, Gemma and then Isabella – Mm-hmm. And then Steve, uh, probably then Indy, and then Myers is last. It's, I mean, but that's, you know. I think if Clark was raised by someone else, he would be more snuggly because he snuggles up to all my friends. Yeah, we'll get snuggled with him. Now, if you leave him here, we don't get snuggled. If you leave him here and you leave. He, ha- he holds a grudge. Oh, we have no snuggles. <laughs> There's nothing. If we're at your place... And you're there, or even if we're at your place and you're not there, he'll snuggle. Yeah. But he's in his home. Yeah. He'll snuggle with you. But not if you just leave him here. (laughs) He turns his back on all of us, stares out the window. (laughs) He's pissed. (laughs) Pissed. So. Bless him. He's a little spoiled. A little bit. A little spoiled. Well, we could segue into just briefly going over the new stuff you've learned about puppies. In regards to, we can even talk about personality and the importance of being calm 
with your puppy and being patient. <laughs> that's my like that's a that is a number one one of the top I'd say in the top three things of things new puppy clients ask. And new, what I mean by new puppy clients, not necessarily new to us, but they haven't had a puppy in 15 years. And oh, so yeah. they don't remember yeah. what it's like to be a puppy. And it's like, he's psycho at 9 p.m. Or yes. the puppy's biting me and they don't realize it's over arousal or let's re... I, I talk a lot about rechanneling that energy into yeah. something more productive than chewing, biting, jumping. right. When you're trying to just sit down and have a glass of wine at night. Right. Or so. a glass of wine in the morning. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The puppy, it could, it, you don't know. It, it could be any time. I'd say with puppies, I have been learning a lot of new stuff, and it's my brain still hurts. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's taken me like two months to get through a two full days of a resilience workshop. I'm still not done. It's so much information, and I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it all. Um I feel like what you've told so far, like the common theme is less is more. Less is more. And and making sure, I think that another thing, yeah, I think that if anybody's listened to me for, for long enough, you know that I don't like the word routine. I really hate the word routine. And I think I hate it because I think it puts too much pressure on people mm-hmm. when we talk routine. However, I think I'm starting to realize that it's going to be more important be- these days if you get a puppy. That, that yes, you need to understand that this puppy is not the, the adult dog you remembered, right? I mean, and I know that's hard because I only, I mean, we're around puppies all the time, so it's nothing new for us, but I can understand having a dog who's already so good at doing things and you've gotten into your routine, air quotes, um, you've got your thing, he knows you, you know him, and everything is working. But it's like getting into a new relationship, right? Mm-hmm. When you get into a new relationship, and it's a one-sided relationship to start with, this dog did not choose you. Right. You may think they did, but they didn't, right? So you need to want, yes, you have to have patience. And I think the best way to have patience is is to get a good plan in place for what your day is going to look like. And I know there are a lot of people that are working from home, and I actually find that it's harder for people to raise puppies when they work from home because they want to have the puppy out more often. They're giving them too much freedom. They're not teaching them how to rest. Mm -hmm. And so the activity throughout the house is just too much for puppies. Yeah. So having a plan, uh, getting set up with a, you know, a trainer, getting set up with someone who can help guide you in what's going to work best for your new environment, because it's, it's a new environment because you have a new puppy. It's not the 15 year old dog. It's a new puppy. You may be working from home now, where before when you house when you were housebreaking the dog, it stayed in a crate for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Maybe you had someone come in and, and take it out for a potty break. Being at home, it can be more challenging. And I tell people that whatever schedule you would have, if you worked outside the home, you need to try to stick to, to as close to something like that as possible when you're working from home. Mm-hmm. Your dog needs to have a quiet place, a safe zone, somewhere they can go and it's quiet they're not bothered by anybody. There's no foot traffic. It doesn't need to be in the living room. If you're going from the office to the kitchen, you know, in the house, we need to start making better plans with our dogs and with our puppies and not just being willy nilly and saying, oh, you know, I work from home. This is great. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
It's like when people get them, holidays are coming up, right? We know what happens at Christmas. We're going to get a puppy at Christmas time because we're going to be home. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yay. However, you need to get on the schedule as if you're not going to be home. Yep. Because when you go back to work, January 2nd, you are going to need to have a schedule in place. Yeah. So I think that that, if you can create a plan... That will help with your patience. Yep. Because where do we go crazy from? Housebreaking. I think that housebreaking is probably one of the fastest things that will make a dog not look cute anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, biting. Biting. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of the biting will come from just not enough sleep, not enough rest, mm-hmm. and um, overwhelming the puppy. That is That is the big thing. Um, so having a, a good set, I don't want to say routine, but a schedule, a plan in place, and your setup in the home needs to be good. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, and you probably have this now that you're doing most of our puppy stuff, they probably wonder, where do we where do we put the crate? Where do we even put the crate? Mm-hmm. I think in the bedroom is the crate to start with because you're going to be getting up over at night to let the puppy out yeah. to go potty. So that's a good place. doesn't mean it has to stay there. Yeah. It can be moved. Um, now, Meyer's crate is in the bedroom, and he has there's two crates in there now. But he, if I put him in there for a nap, I can close the door, and I do have to walk semi past the room to go to the kitchen. But I'll put on an audio book. I'll put on some white noise, something like that. And he's starting to learn that just because I'm home, he doesn't need to be wanting to get out every time. Because I think he's starting to figure out that when I put him in there, it's almost like, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. I needed it, but I didn't want to do it. Yeah. Because I didn't want to miss anything. Yeah. That's one thing that blows clients' minds is when I'm like, you know, you can absolutely put them in the crate. Yeah. Even if they're not sleeping. Like, if they're too crazy, it's because they're too tired. Yep. Um, The old saying of, oh, a tired dog is a good dog. I'm like, that's, no, a tired dog is a psycho dog. Exactly. Like, it's going to bite you more. It's going to throw tantrums. It's going to ruin your life. So it's just like a toddler to, to those of the, like those of the clients that have had kids. They're like, oh, so it's like, it's like when my kid was a toddler, like they took a morning nap and an afternoon nap. Yes. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, And then just to briefly go back to, over Christmas, because a lot of people are going to get puppies over Christmas. I got a puppy over Christmas. <laughs> I'm not a hater of that. I actually love it because you do have that time yes. off. Um, but use that time specifically to do the potty training with the crate because then not only do you get into the schedule and you know when your dog's going to have to go to the bathroom, you're going to minimize the accidents in the house. But you're going to work up to, okay, it's going to take a one-hour nap, a one-hour nap, a one-hour nap throughout the day. And then it'll be two two-hour naps. And then you'll work up to two three-hour naps. And then all of a sudden you're at four four-hour naps and you're ready to just have a dog walker or you come home over lunch. Yep. And so that that's what I did because I, I, had, I had actually three weeks off of school with him. But – I, he was up to four hours. I would come home for lunch, let him out, feed him, let him out again. And then he had another four hours and then he was out. And then I had to study. And that's another thing is you come home from work and then you feel bad about, oh, I don't want to put the dog in the crate. It's been in a crate all day. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. 
Well, that's also a good time to work on being calm. Like the dog needs to rechannel that energy into being calm. You can still be excitable, but being calm. I like to call it controlled excitement. Yeah. And so there are times, I mean, even with like the service dogs we've raised, um, the dog was by me while I'm now finishing notes from work or when Clark was a puppy, I was doing all my studying and I would just, I had his bowl of dinner and I would just treat him at random times, 30 seconds, a minute, 30 seconds, 15 seconds. Like, and he had to just stay there and wait. And then he realized that he didn't have to be going crazy to get my attention. And he was using his brain to stay calm and same with the other service dogs, but it doesn't even have to be for service dogs. Like that's a good calm trait to have as a normal dog. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's, a, I think a lot of people, and here's what I run into a lot. When a dog is just laying there being calm, people are so afraid to interact with it for fear that that yes. calmness is going to go away. And I tell them, if you do not interact with your dog while they're calm, I promise you it will go away mm-hmm. because you're not rewarding the dog and the dog's trying to get your reward or get your attention as a reward. They're going to try to figure that out. But if they're just learning, just sitting there and waiting for you, mm-hmm. you're teaching that calmness. Yeah. That's a, it's a great thing to do. Yeah. Even for the families with little kids that are in school and they're doing homework, I'm like, just have their bowl of food right there. And the kid finishes. Finishes a math problem, gives the dog a thing. Finish reading a paragraph, give the dog some treats. Like, and reward that. So the kid isn't like, oh, but this new puppy's here. I want to play with it. And then they get over aroused and then it bites the kid. And then they're calling us because their dog bit their kid. It's like, no, no, no. They're just over aroused. (laughs) That's puppy teeth. They'll make anything bleed. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that makes a really good point of just teaching that calmness. And I think that is something that we... I think a lot of puppy owners miss out on mm-hmm. is just teaching calm and not being afraid to acknowledge good behavior, even if it's not doing anything, um, because the dog needs to know that he can get rewarded for not doing anything. Otherwise, you're going to teach him that, hey, you got to be a psycho in order to get somebody's attention. Right. But then, you know, and puppies are going to be puppies. They're going to have energy. They're going to be excited. There are going to be times where the puppy's had plenty of naps and he's still going to be a psycho. But if you have an idea in place and you've gotten the dog used to a playpen, that's a great place to put him. Um, Myers, his playpen, it was, I would shape it because the way the kitchen was, I would shape it. It looked like a coffin. <laughs> and so whenever he was feeling all worked up, I'd tell him to go get in his coffin mm-hmm. and he'd go jump in his playpen. And he knew if he got in there, he typically would get a tricky treat ball, snuffle mat, topple, something. And then he had his toys and stuff in there. So... Um, for him, going the playpen was great, mm-hmm. great, you know, fun things. He didn't see it as, oh, now I'm going to miss out on everything. Right. But we got to make sure we're giving them plenty to do. But when it was nap time, I put him in his crate mm-hmm. because that needed to be the quiet time. Um, and yeah, he fought it and he got mad and, you know, we're around the house. And like Amanda's already mentioned, I'm not quiet. <laughs> so, you know, he had to learn that just because I'm loud and moving around that he doesn't have to be necessarily involved. But it's taking time. It's yeah. totally taking some time. Um, and tonight, you know, today's his first Halloween. So I'm he will be going into the crate um, because I am not really around once Halloween starts. I'm <laughs> I'm busy scaring kids. Um, so he'll be in the crate tonight. And, and it, this is going to be a little bit different. So I probably won't let him nap. I probably won't put him down for a nap. Today, as much as I, you know, I probably would do two naps through a normal day 
today. I'll give him one little nap. I'll let him come out and see Granny and Grandpa, and then he'll be going back down for the nap for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that that's the thing. Just make a plan. Have a plan. Don't wait for the moment to be like, oh, shit, what do I got to do with this dog? Make a plan. And yeah. don't wait to have problems before you reach out for help. We encourage you to help to get us to to come into the home even before you bring the dog. Because yep. we can help you with your setup. We can help you with the purchase of items. We can even help you pick out a dog. Um, actually, we can do a better job at helping pick out a dog than most people can because they're going by cuteness. And we want to go by personality. We want to go by... Um, you know, what you're looking for and what the possible genetic traits could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so it's like if you're going to have a house full of kids running in and out all the time and that's just your house, don't get a Border Collie. <laughs> don't get an Australian Shepherd. Don't get a Mini Aussie. Don't get a working breed. Don't get a working breed. Don't get a Dachshund. <laughs> right? Don't get a Myers as he's barking because Britt just pulled into the driveway. <laughs> so you've got to find the right thing, Right. If you're going to do a golden retriever, great. They're great with people. But I'm going to tell you, a golden retriever is very, very mouthy. So you're going to have to really help them to learn not to be putting teeth on kids mm-hmm. because they're a mouthy breed. So, again, we, you, want to, you want to really look at things and not just go by that cuteness or go by what your grandma had when you were growing up and you fell in love with it. I mean, um, and I think if we do that right in the beginning, that will certainly help with our patience mm-hmm. and understanding. Right? So if, if you... Like with Myers, if I'd known he was a terrier, and I've said this, if I'd known he was a terrier, I probably would have went ahead and sent him up north because he had a home up north. Um, but I chose to adopt him. If I'd known he was a terrier, I probably would not have gotten him because of my lifestyle right now. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I have him. <laughs> Once you know, though, right, of, okay, here are the genetics. Now, how can I put that into something positive. Um, I, I'm letting him bark at some things. I mean, I, it's to me, I'm going more about the type of bark and the length of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the high-pitched bark makes me want to throw things. <laughs> so get it, y'all. Look, I've been doing this for a long time, and I feel you. I feel you. I'm not perfect, and my dog is not perfect. And that's just the way life is. Mm-hmm. I'm really freaking good at what I do. <laughs> But I'm not perfect. It's why I'm still in continuing education this whole year. I want to learn. I want to do better. And I have the dog that maybe I do need right now. You know, they say that all the time. You get the dog that you need, not the dog you want. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, So, what are some of the other common problems? uh, Kind of top. Because we're talking about kind of the top three of puppy issues. So, I would say the other one that I see, not so much that I get complaints about because it's more of something down the road. But what I see is like a mistake that new puppy owners make is they go and they take their dog out on a walk and it's cute and it's little and it's fat little paws are walking down the street and everything's all great. But what they're missing is the constant reward of staying by you. And, or if you want them to sniff, sniff, but like they're taking for granted the loose leash walking that's naturally occurring because the dog wants to be by you. The puppy wants to be by you, but yet they're not taking advantage of capturing that innate behavior. And then all of a sudden you're four or five months down the road calling us saying, my dog's pulling me. I've tried everything. I've now have adversive, like 
tried it because off. Because he used to walk great. Yeah, when he was a puppy, he mm. was great. Um, but it's it, they're not – and I, I see this with so many – even on Instagram, like friends are getting new puppies and they're just like walking down the street like, look how cute my dog is. And I'm like, Tell your him. dog's going to be 90 pounds one day. It's going to pull you down the yes. street. Um, but, you know, it, it yeah. looks cute. She's got the matching – Leash and drinking your coffee and you're having it's a good time downtown. It's and it's wonderful. And uh, I'm just like, it ain't gonna last. You're missing. You're missing. Like, yeah, you have to capture this because yep. it's so important. Like, dogs are not born running away from humans. They're not born trying to pull you down the street. They're pack animals. They want to be with their pack. They want to be with their people. But if that's not rewarding for them, what's the point? All right. And I mean, and that's, that's the thing is that when you have a puppy, you are going to be very important to them. They're going to be looking to you for everything. And that's the time you really need to start that, like mm-hmm. that bond and that teaching of being with you in those environments are important. You'll keep them safe. You'll help guide them through it. When they start to grow, the brain begins to change to where they're going to start being more risk takers. They're going to be wanting to be more adventurous and do things. It's not that they love you any less. It's that their brain is putting them in a place that they have to go do these things. Uh, and and anyone with children can see this. As a, a baby and a toddler, they look to you for everything. But as they start to age, you know, that two, three, four, you're not as important. Mm-hmm. Eight, nine years old, please don't kiss me when you drop me off at the, at the you know, <laughs> at school because you're embarrassing me. But then it, it it comes back around, and and I think that with puppies, yeah, we've got to make sure we take that advantage of those moments to where neurologically they don't want to move away from you. Mm-hmm. So that's the time to say, yeah, it's going to be a big positive to not necessarily do this, and and lots and lots and lots of praise. And I don't think people realize how much you need to be praising. And and people look at me and they're like, my God, I can't say it that many times. Thing is, if you get in the habit, you can say it that many times. Yep. And I'll watch some videos and I'll have clients send me videos and they're like, well, no, this is a really good walk. And it's like a 20 second walk. And I'm like sitting there going, oh my God, you only have like three good boys. Oh my God. And I'm like tweaking. I'm like, you had 20 seconds of walking, only three good boys. No, you need to increase that. You need 15 I good mean, boys. I mean, you need 15 good boys on that. And so it's like really focusing on what you have in the moment because it's not going to last. I don't care how great the dog walks. It's not going to last. However, you can at least start a solid foundation so that it helps them to adjust and get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, Isabella walked off leash perfectly as a puppy. Mm-hmm. Now the bitch is <laughs> like running to the neighbors off leash because they're more rewarding right now. Um but the thing is, I mean, she walks okay. She She's a fine walker. But the way we walk her is very different, too. Right. She, it's very rare she is ever next to us. Yeah. She is a be in the front. We have the gear set up for that because the kind of walks that they do. Mm-hmm. For Myers, he needs to be able to walk a little bit better. His walking has always been really, really good. And, um, and he's still pretty decent with it. But again, I have to keep at it because mm-hmm. he'll be a year in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I have to keep at it. And because his brain is, again, it's going into a new stage. And it's our job to make sure that we are staying consistent at every stage that the dog goes through so that that stage is not as difficult as it really could be. So, yeah, so as puppies, take everything that you like and acknowledge it. Don't take it for granted Mm -hmm. because it will disappear. 
And if and and it's going to disappear anyway. But if we already have a good solid reinforcement history for it, it's easier to get it back. Mm-hmm. I should say that. Yeah. So yeah, I see that all the time. Puppies, yeah. adults. I'm like, tell him, good boy. <laughs> oh my god, he's being so good. What a good boy. I'm pretty sure I've said that to strange dogs out in public. Yeah. Because their owners are ignoring them. And I'm like, oh, you're being such a good boy. Oh, I do that too. I mean, seriously. I'm like, oh, look at that good boy. Such a good boy. The dog wants to come see us because the owner's ignoring them. Yeah. Because they're on their phone. Yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of dogs in public, the uh, Franklin Pumpkin Festival was last weekend. Oh, man, I forgot. Oh, it's a good thing you forgot. There was like 70,000 people there and probably 10,000 dogs. You're kidding. I'm not even kidding you. And the number of puppies I saw that were very clearly... A, under four months old, so not fully vaccinated. But even if they were, like, still very young puppies walking around in crowds of unpredictable people and unpredictable dogs, I was, like, venting to my parents. I'm like, there is no reason that that tiny puppy needs to be walking at anything. Have them in a stroller. Have them in a sling. Like, if you really feel the need to take your puppy with you, like, that's fine. But, like... Make it safe. Like that puppy was so overwhelmed. All of the puppies I saw were so overwhelmed or overstimulated. Like there's safer ways to do this. There, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do the whole festival, and especially not just from a neurological standpoint of you're overloading their brain and their capacity, and your dog has a really good chance of not being okay in public. But it from a physical. Like physical side, like physical therapy next, this coming week, I'm starting my PT courses. Like their joints are not formed. Mm -hmm. Your dog should not be walking more than like one house length. And I'm talking like a neighborhood house, not a country house length. Right. (laughs) I'm talking like like (laughs) maybe a hundred feet. Like puppies should not be walking that much. And like downtown areas, those puppies were probably walking Two to three miles. Yeah, that's too and much. And it's so bad for their joints. Their joints aren't formed. Their bones aren't touching. They're like, it's not good for their bodies. And so this overexposure of having your puppies, again, another reason to get a puppy when it's cold. Like I always kept Clark in my sweatshirt. Yeah. And I took him places. I didn't take him to any festivals like that, but I took him places crowded. Some of them were crowded, but he was still right here. I wasn't asking him to fend for himself at all, but he was still yep. taking everything in. And I wasn't there for five hours. Like, right. You know, you're, it, you just, you need to be so protective of your puppies yep. and their brains and don't overstimulate them and still expose them, but carefully. And there's a very careful way to do that. Yes. And it's like taking your dog to a festival and having it walk. Five miles is not it. (laughs) Not it, no. And that is something that, you know, because for all this time, we've all talked about socialization, exposure, get that puppy out, do things, meet 300 people. And with the science that's coming out, it's definitely, we're moving away from that. Mm -hmm. And the words that um, Behavior Vets has kind of come up with instead of socialization, excuse me, um, instead of socialization, um, and I really like it, and it's from... uh, Shannon, I think, came up with this at Behavior Vets. Resilience conditioning yeah. uh, to where the dogs learn to to be able to handle and deal with stress, basically. But having them overwhelmed in a place where they just feel that stress and they have no way of coming back down to baseline, it's going to cause problems down the, down the line. 
And so uh, that's something that we're going to be hitting on a lot here in the next uh, few weeks. Once, I mean, my brain, again, I'm going to finish this resilience uh, webinar, but we're going to really be pushing that kind of talking a lot about resilience conditioning coming up because I know people are going to get, be getting puppies at Christmas mm-hmm. and I want to make sure they're prepared for what they need to be doing and, and how they don't need to be wearing the dogs out and what it looks like when you do take a dog out. And one of the best ways of doing it is if, like, if you're going to do something like a festival, like I took Myers to a festival, mm-hmm. but I had him in his, I had his backpack. Um, I could put him in there. And then we also had plans of if he was not doing well, we, we would leave. Mm-hmm. And we ended up somewhere where we could kind of sit and, and be out of the way. Then we ended up leaving, right? Because it was like, all right, this is enough. This is enough for him. Um, when Britt was stopping to look at things, I was like, I'm going to go over in this green space Myers and I are going to go over here and just chill for a minute. Mm-hmm. So, but also a time that that he was freaking out because there was meat being smoked yep. at the festival, and he was freaking out. Right, so um, I had to make sure that I adjusted for all of that, and knowing that I may not be able to stay there. And so, having a good plan is so important when you are going to take the dogs out. So, we, I think that's part of a, several of the web. Uh, the podcast episodes are going to be about that mm-hmm. because I think we need to give people better guidance on what this needs to look like and how to do it safely and, and be productive in doing it to give your puppies what they need. Um, but there are safe ways of taking puppies out uh, before all the vaccines, after the vaccines, there are safe ways to do it. The dog park's not it. Um, going to a festival with 70,000 people, that's not it. Um, you know, going somewhere where you can sit and just watch the world go by. That's a really good place, Mm -hmm. right? Just sit and watch. So maybe if you want to go to that festival and you stay on the outside of it and watch from a distance for 10 minutes, allowing the dog to move away if they want to, reading their body language, making sure they get a really good nap afterwards. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that we have to do a better job at, at, educating the people with kind of what the new information that's coming out because I was one of those people that said get your dog out and expose them get them out there right get them to to take in everything I didn't take in consideration of the neurobiology of it which is what is now really coming through and and so yeah we're going to be changing our recommendations with that mm-hmm. and we're going to be offering um, services to where people don't know exactly how to do that, that we can do that as a group, that we're going to have a pup around town availability. So you can pay, you can come and do an hour session in a group setting in a, in a public place. Mm-hmm. Right. And Amanda can help you read your dog's body language, but also knowing that you're, you paid for an hour with us, but you may not spend an hour with us. Mm-hmm. You may spend half of it back in the car with your dog as they're decompressing. <laughs> Right. Or maybe they're only 30 to 45 minute sessions. Right. So there are safe ways to do it. And we're going to try to do our best to help you guys figure out the, the, I, I don't want to say the routine of it because it's going to be different for every dog uh, and their environment. Right. Mm-hmm. So a city dog is going to have a little bit different than your, you know, rural dogs. So that is something that we're going to be really pushing um, and talking a lot about uh, for sure. So. Well, that was good. You got anything else? No. no Britt's out there uh, working on the decorations that have been blown away because we've had a lot of wind lately, but it's a perfect Halloween day here. Overcast, a little chilly, leaves are falling, 
We got to get ready to go get some spooky spookies. <laughs> well, I'm glad you joined me today. Um, still, screw you for that first little tidbit. Um, <laughs> these are my friends, people. This is these are what my friends do to me. Um, and look, and I'm her boss <laughs> part time, and she still treats me this way. What am, what am I doing wrong? Someone in human resources, reach out. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I hope you guys. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I hope you enjoy your little spooky day um, because I am going to go ahead and post this because I don't so I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. Um, and then if you got, of course, as always, if you have comments, if you have ideas, anything, please reach out. Be sure you're following us on Instagram. We are going to be starting to put more and more stuff out there. Gray is, is working on some new videos. Um, he bought uh, a nice new camera, so he's going to be putting a bunch of videos together. And we've just got a ton of things that are coming up 2023, and we're super excited about it. And uh, But we're going to be changing your world, and especially, I think our puppy program is going to be changing the most mm-hmm. um, just from the education that's coming out and the scientific data that's coming out. So be ready for that, guys. And if you know if anybody's going to be getting a puppy, go ahead and have them start listening to our episodes. Um, and if you're local... We can help pick anything out for you, pick a dog out at the shelter, breeder, whatever it is that you have. Um, We can help you and we can help you with all the items that you need, all those good things too. So Amanda, you got any lasting, no, you know what? I'm not even letting you say any lasting (laughs) words. Y'all have a great week.